Good morning, everyone. We're in today, Genesis 43 and 44. We're coming towards the end of this week's studies. And yesterday, we began looking at that process of testing that Joseph is putting his brothers through. And I think that's because God, unlike Jacob, has no favorites. He wants to work in the brothers as much as he worked in Joseph. But we left it yesterday with the brothers kind of having this dialogue that showed how they're still trapped in that sin that unconfessed, undealt with from 20 years ago. And how Jacob as well has forgotten his identity as Israel and has reverted to being Jacob and is trapped in his own bitterness and the sin of favoritism. It's pretty obvious they're struggling as a family. They need to go back for food. We read at the beginning of chapter 43 that the famine is biting, it's very severe in the land. They need the food, but Jacob is being obstinate. He is not gonna let Benjamin go. And that was kind of how the story ended in chapter 42. So let's pray um, as we go through today, because today is encouraging. We see signs of grace and we see signs of growth. So let's pray and jump into the story. Thank you, Father, for your word, which is so refreshing and so challenging. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would apply it to our hearts and make it live to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So quick summary, in case you haven't had a chance to read it all, but chapters 42 and 40, 43 and sorry, 43 and 44. Uh, the famine has really taken hold. And finally, Jacob says, right, boys, back to Egypt with you. But of course, the brothers know they can't go back without Benjamin. So Judah this time takes on the job of trying to persuade Jacob. And finally, sort of halfway through, Jacob finally relents and says, okay, Benjamin can go with you. So all the brothers this time, minus Joseph, of course, head back. And they don't forget, of course, to take the money that Joseph had returned to them without them realizing it the last time they went and some gifts to try and win his favor. And so they come, they appear before Joseph again, bringing Benjamin. And to their surprise, they get invited to lunch at Joseph's house. And when they're there, even more surprisingly, they're seated in order of age and Benjamin is given special treatment. Well, the, the penny still doesn't drop for them, and they shrug it off and enjoy the meal. And the end of 43, they're heading back home, probably relieved to have Simeon with them again, and that Benjamin's fine, and that they've had this strange experience with this ruler of Egypt. Little realizing that, of course, we know the story, Joseph has set them up for a fall. He has instructed his steward to hide his special silver cup in Benjamin's sack, and then he sends the steward after them. And so when they're confronted with this and the steward searches their sacks, of course, he finds it in Benjamin's sack and they all have to head back to Egypt. And Joseph's very cunning at this point. He says, well, I'm only gonna put in prison the guilty party. The rest of you, you know, go in peace. Here is the final test. What will they do? Will they wash their hands of Benjamin as they did Joseph so many years ago? And at this point, Judah steps up and offers to take his place. And there our story ends for today. We're left on a bit of a cliffhanger. What on earth will happen? Well, of course, you know what happens and we know what happens, but that's tomorrow's reading. So let's think about the signs of grace and the signs of growth that we see in these two chapters. Well, I think the signs of grace, we can see through what the different people say and different things that happen, particularly in chapter 43. 
the first one I see maybe is not so much a sign as just a little bud popping up like a little spring flower. And that is where Joe's, uh, J Jacob sorry, has finally agreed to send back the brothers. And so he tells them to go. And in verse 14, this is what he says to the brothers as they go with Benjamin. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, being Joseph, so that he may send back your other brother and Benjamin. To me, I think that's a little sign that jo Jacob is beginning to remember who God is, that God who he'd wrestled with and prevailed, that God who'd intervened so many times in his life already. So instead of sulking and being caught in bitterness and saying, woe is me, he's actually looking to God, beginning to gain that perspective again, that God can intervene in his mercy. Then as we carry on in the story, we get to this little tale where the brothers bring back this money that Joseph had returned to them last time without them realizing it. And they're talking to the steward and they're sort of worried that they're going to get in trouble for having that money. And they say to him, look, here's the money you, that we found in our sacks. And he says some pretty incredible things to them. Verse 23 of chapter 43, he says this, it's okay, he said, don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. The NIV has, it's all right. Uh, ESV is a little bit more close, says, peace to you, don't be afraid. Peace to you, don't be afraid. Those words appear time and time again when God speaks in reassurance to his people, even Jesus to the disciples in the upper room after his resurrection. Peace be with you, don't be afraid. They're wonderful words that speak of this reassurance of God and this steward who presumably is not an Israelite somehow has learned about your God the God of your father no doubt through Joseph through watching his life and beginning to understand who this God is the God of Jacob the God of Abraham the God of Isaac he is the one who's put that treasure in your sacks I got your money and then he brought Simeon out to them God has done this this God this God of your father God's grace at work and not only that, Simeon is released into freedom. Those are just little signs of God's grace being seen in this story. And even Joseph, as he meets Benjamin again for the first time, his first words to, our, to him are not, great to see you, bro. They're, God, God be gracious to you, my son, verse 29. And I think it just shows that God's mercy and grace is not just a New Testament thing. Of course, we most fully understand it in Christ, but God hasn't changed. He always is gracious and merciful to us. And then finally, I think we see it most dramatically in this meal that they sit down to have at the end of chapter 43. They drank and they were merry with him. If literally, they perhaps got a little bit tipsy. But they had such a good time with Joseph. And meals are always a sign in the Bible of fellowship and in this case, of forgiveness and grace. To, to see that, we have to think of the last meal that this group, minus Benjamin, because he was too young at the time, had together. If you go back to chapter 37, right after they've beaten Joseph, they've stripped him of his coat and thrown him in a pit, what do the brothers do? They sit down to have a meal. That was the last memory Joseph has of his brothers eating with him. I'm not so sure how easy it would be to sit down and have a feast with those who treated you so wrongly.
this is a huge sign of God's grace and mercy to the brothers through Joseph. And I think it's, it's a picture for us. It's the amazing thing with God, that those signs are there for us. We come to him repeatedly with our failure, with our ex mistakes, our excuses, and he receives us with grace, with mercy, going beyond far what we deserve, inviting us to a feast, even though we put him on the cross, telling us, don't be afraid, peace be with you, telling us like the steward did, that the debt is paid, without even our knowing how. And as Simeon experienced, we go free because God is gracious to us. So this story has some amazing grace in it already, and we're going to see that even more tomorrow when Joseph finally reveals himself. But we also see signs of growth as we move into chapter 44. First, we see that perhaps the brothers really are changing and are repentant. In verse 13, after they've been discovered with the, 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 the cup, special cup of Joseph has been discovered in Benjamin's sack, and, and they're stopped by the steward, that's, that's a moment of decision for all of them. And it says, verse 13, that at this they tore their clothes, then each one loaded his donkey, and they returned to the city. Again, a bit of a flashback. The last time clothes were torn, it was Joseph's special robe, as they sold him off into slavery in Egypt. Now they all tear their robes and return with Benjamin to Egypt, instead of leaving him and letting him take the fall. Something is changing in the brothers. And I think the biggest change though is in Judah. When we look back at chapter 37 again, we actually see that as they're having their meal and they see the traders coming, he's the one who has the bright idea or the terrible idea to sell off Joseph for profit to these slave traders. That shows how he worked back then. But now, as we read at the beginning of this section, He's the one who's persuaded Jacob to let Benjamin go and says, I'll be surety for him in verse nine. If anything happens to me, to him, I'll take the blame. And then uh, sure enough, as Joseph sets this test for them and Benjamin is caught in it, Judah steps up and begins to plead for Benjamin's life. And this is what he says, verse 33 of chapter 44. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain, as in me, Judah, remain as a slave to my Lord in place of the boy and let the boy go back with his brothers. Something is in Judah, supposed to be a slave in the place of Benjamin. Judah at least has passed the test that Joseph has set. He's no longer thinking about himself, but he's willing to lay down his life for his younger brother. And I think that's a great picture. It's, it's of course an imperfect picture, but it's a picture nonetheless that reminds us of Christ. Christ, our older brother, who has stepped in to lay his life down for us, becoming a slave so that we could go free, dying on the cross so that we could have life. But this also challenges us in our love for one another, for our own brothers and sisters in the church. 1 John 4, 9 to 10 says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us in that way, sending his son who laid down his life, we also ought to love 
one another in the same way. We only know God's love because Christ laid down his life for us and left us that example. And we need to do the same. And of course, it's not likely to be as dramatic as it was for ben Judah and Benjamin right there or Christ on the cross. Maybe big sacrifices are required sometimes. But most often, laying down our lives for each other is just the simple day-to-day -day acts of service, the simple day-to-day -day giving our time, giving our attention, giving our interest, giving our help, our prayers, our encouragement, sharing scripture, teaching one another, rebuking one another, admonishing one another, helping one another practically. That's all how we lay down our lives for one another and thus follow the example of Christ. We're not called to splendid isolation in an ivory tower studying theology. Put my hand up there. We're not called to nice, comfortable church gatherings. We were reading in the Mem's Bible, Bible study the other day that even the Gentiles can get together and have a good time. We're called to love that goes beyond that. And of course, that love, those acts of love, can't come out of our own energy and strength. As I said a couple of days ago, everything we do for God has to be sustained by our life with God. And so everything we do, that love, Christ's love, that compels us, not our own strength. So yes, let's enjoy those signs of grace, that mercy and favor, that feast with him, that spiritual food, that banquet he invites us to, so that we have the spiritual food to lay down our lives for others in response to God's mercy and grace so that others come to join too in his love and mercy.